to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. All right. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode. If you're new here, episodes drop every Wednesday morning, and I'm so grateful. I'm so happy that you're here. Um, I'm excited to introduce another beautiful guest to you today. So we've got Sarah Maloof joining us. Uh, she is a certified health coach. She's also the host of the Wellbeing Well Said podcast and just a lover of all things wellness. We have a really wonderful conversation all around body positivity and faith and relationships. And she's just like got this beautiful Southern charm to her. It was such a pleasure having her on. She really believes in and practices principles that uh, she learned through her time at IIN, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and has learned to see health and wellness through a whole person lens, a holistic lens, instead of simply looking at diet or weight. So we talk a lot about that and how she prefers and just knows that it's right to start within uh, and deeply examine the mind and body connection along with the component of spirituality, which you know we're all about over here. And she primarily works with women. uh, So we talk a lot about just our journey as women and navigating changes as we go through our 20s and get into our 30s and cover a lot of interesting points here. So have a wonderful time listening. In the meantime, uh, you can find Sarah on Instagram at Sarah Maloof underscore and I'm at Helen Denham underscore and at the lifted podcast. So hit us up. Let us know what you're learning, what you're thinking. And uh, I'll talk to you on the flip side. So the first question I always ask people is how do you like to start your days off? Do you have any rising routines or rituals that you go to? So I have kind of unintentionally gotten in a routine, mostly thanks to the puppy that we bought last year. His name is Lesko. So I have to be up at a certain time, of course, now to help him and take him out. But my normal, I'm not a super, super early bird, um, but I also don't like to sleep late. So I'm usually up probably around like seven. I get up, I let the dog out. I make coffee. I feed him. I take spirulina, which I take energy bits, which I love plug here. They're great. And I kind of feel like that helps with my energy and my skin. I drink a huge cup of water. It's like a 32 ounce cup of water before I ever drink any of my coffee. And so I'm like doing things around the house, tidying up or whatever, making the coffee, feeding the dog while I drink my water. Then I usually pour my first cup of coffee first because I am a coffee drinker. (laughs) I'll sit down with that coffee and have what I call my quiet time, which is basically where I just get still, get quiet, obviously, hence the name. And I pray. I usually, I'm a believer. I usually read my Bible or some sort of spiritual book. I journal. I love the five minute journal, just throwing out some gratitude. I'm sure you're familiar with that. A lot of people use it. I write down some things I'm grateful for. And then I, after I do that for like 10, 20 minutes max, usually I get dressed and let's go. And I go on our morning walk. We have a little route we take unless it's raining. We pretty much go every single morning. It's like a mile and a half, two miles, but it wakes me up and it gets me moving. And it's basically like therapy to me at this point. Cause I just like to be in nature and be quiet and just get moving. Yeah. Beautiful. Love mm-hmm. it. I'm going kind of the same, same vibe as you. Did it take you a while to get into like a, a specific routine or like, how did this routine kind of come to be? Or you just started to notice what was making you feel good in the beginning? 
Yeah. So I really have noticed how much my surroundings impact my well-being and my routines. I'm I I really get thrown off pretty easily, but when I'm in a good place with good surroundings and good energy, I feel that. So we bought the house that we're in now in May and just coming out of a little rental that was fine for what we needed it for, but being there in an older home that wasn't really ours. And now we're in a very light, bright, airy home has really actually motivated me and encouraged me more and to get up and get going and be in the space that makes me feel happy and at peace. Um, and then, like I said, the dog has kind of impacted the routine as well. I just really notice a difference in how I start when I start my days the way I do. And I know not everyone has time for this whole drawn out thing, which you know, sometimes I don't have time. And sometimes all it is, is like you, you know, you and I spoke earlier walking down the street and back in the morning with the dog. If that's all I have time for, it still helps. And so giving myself a little bit of grace with my morning routine, knowing, okay, at some point I'm going to drink coffee. I'm either going to make it here. I'm going to spend too much at Starbucks. At some point I'm going to need to move my body because I'm going to get anxious and stiff and, you know, might as well do it outside with my dog who needs that exercise too. You know, just kind of being realistic with what I need and tuning into what I need and then putting it into a practical morning routine that doesn't take too much of my time. Totally. I love that you just touched on like environment making a big difference too as well, because I noticed that as well. If my room is in my space is dark, I have to immediately open the windows and let the light hit me. Otherwise, like I, I just go into cave mode. So yeah. totally yeah. understand Exactly. That. Yeah. yeah. So I'd love to have you just walk us through like a little bit of your upbringing and your journey up to this point and how you got into well-being in general and becoming a health coach essentially. Sure. So I have an amazing family that I'm still very, very close with. I'm the oldest of four children. Both my parents are relatively young parents and they've always been healthy and health conscious, but just like everyone was in the nineties and early two thousands, it was a lot more of a diet culture mentality than it is now. I and not just from and my parents, but even, you know, at school, we saw a lot about counting calories, how to lose weight, you know, calories in versus calories out. But growing up, because I'm 30 now, we're about the same age growing up. We just didn't really have a lot of talks about how much your mindset matters and how much your weight on the scale really doesn't. As long as, you know, I'm not speaking to anyone with chronic illnesses or struggling with obesity, but just, you know, as a teen girl in the two thousands, it was like, those five or 10 pounds just meant so much. And it was kind of silly realistically. And I even remember this is something that triggers me to think about now because I would go up to, if I had a teenage daughter who was doing this at school, I would be that mom to show up in the parking lot and have to talk to somebody and say how unhealthy it was. We had a health quote health class project as I think I was a freshman in high school where we had to log and keep a track of every single thing we ate for like a week. We had to write, we had to figure out the calories, you know, even I remember having to write gum and just ridiculous stuff because, you know, 15 years ago, we thought that's what health meant, tracking your calories, being a certain weight. And so thankfully I was always confident enough and independent and independent enough to never fall deep into disordered eating or anything of that nature. But it wasn't until I got older out of college, a few years out of college that I realized like, there is so much more to this whole game here. Um, it did start for me, really kicked in with my physical health well-being first. When I was a couple years out of college, I realized, you know, the 
the fast food and the beer from college is not going to carry me through as an adult. I need to kind of get it together. I started cooking at home and exercising and just got more physically healthy, but then also saw how much that impacted my mental health and well-being. And then as I, matured, as I matured, I feel like my practices matured a little bit with me. And now I'm just at a place where I realize we're a whole person. We're not just a physical body. We're an emotional being, spiritual being. And I believe I went through Institute for Integrative Nutrition where they preached a lot about, you know, primary health, secondary health. Yeah. That's what you weigh. That's your physical, you know, your, what you weigh on the scale, what you eat, all that. But primary health is your spiritual well-being, your physical activity, the career you're in, you know, the relationships you have that makes up you as person as your core. And if one of those is out of whack, you can eat all the broccoli and kale that you want, and you're really never going to be a healthy person. And so, you know, I, I know people who are 50 pounds heavier than me, who are, I would call way healthier than me based on where they are in their mental health and well-being, and also just their daily practices. And then I know people who are 50 pounds lighter than me who are miserable. You know, they're, they're completely sure they're thin and they might look good on the outside, but they're struggling in a relationship or with, you know, their spiritual practice, whatever it may be. And so now I really, really approach wellness from a whole perspective because sometimes a piece of pizza actually is healthier for me than, you know, a salad, just depending on who I'm with, where my surroundings, where I'm feeling, how I'm feeling that day and being really in tune with knowing what serves me and what doesn't. Yeah. I'd love that you're bringing this up, that it's like, it really is a holistic approach and like it's it's so interesting because when our mental health is on track and our overall well-being we we naturally seem to gravitate toward better foods in general and more movement like our energy is like ready to handle that mm-hmm. yeah did you grow up in an environment that was like really prioritizing like positivity and well-being i know you mentioned like prayer in the beginning and i think that's such a powerful you know tool for us to use to connect with something greater than ourselves but how has that i guess shifting my question a little bit, how has your faith like helped you in in your wellness journey? I love that question. Yeah, absolutely. I have amazing parents who are role models to me in different ways. They're totally different people with very different personalities, very different strengths. And, um, but I, this is something that I believe that you have to learn for yourself. You know, you can, for what you brought up in any kind of denomination or culture, religion, whatever, and you really have to find, your path. And for me though, it does align with what my parents taught me, the principles of Christianity and faith. And the biggest thing I take away from my faith is the principle of grace. Um, and I believe that, you know, God has shown grace to mankind. And I believe that I need to show grace to myself. Sometimes I need to show grace to others all the time, more often than I do. Um, and same with myself. And I definitely have my parents to thank for teaching me that originally. Um, But it's funny, like when you and I were speaking earlier too, you did mention something about how we're all kind of preaching the same thing from a different way. My mom and I were recently talking about how a lot of self-help, self-help books, even that aren't even religious at all, like have not just with our faith, but any point to these practices that you can find in the Bible, that you can find in, you know, all sorts of things in life and all sorts of books and religions. And it's like these practices, practices of how powerful the mind is how powerful the word, our words are, how, you know, we're supposed to love thy neighbor as thyself. Like all these practices are just practical. Honestly, take the religion out of it. It's like, if you want a better life, a more well-lived, fulfilled life, fulfilled lives, I think that these are 
practices that are good to implement no matter who you are. And I think that only good can come from it. You know what I mean? Like showing grace to yourself and others, loving others, taking time to prioritize your mental health and well-being. Um, and yeah, also treating your body like a temple, so to say, in the sense of you want to just nourish yourself and feel your best self to be able to better show up for yourself and others. I think they really go hand in hand as, and it's so much more to me than just, you know, prayer time in the morning. It's literally what I try to implement and not always at my best. I definitely mess this up often, but what I try to implement just as a human being into my daily life and practices. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, regardless of uh, the label of Christianity or anything on it, these are the conversations I have with the people closest to me as well. And everybody's walking under kind of a different umbrella. But at the end of the day, how can we be more compassionate with ourselves, with one another, and just like understand that there's something kind of greater happening um, here and it's a gift to just be alive. And that completely shifts into like this more just optimistic outlook. So I really appreciate what you're saying is like, there can be no harm from, from being in this state of grace and, and gratitude. And um, I love that you've been doing a little gratitude practice with your community on Instagram and stuff. So how has gratitude played into everything for you? Like what else do you do to keep your well-being in check? It's hard sometimes, which is so silly because I almost like, I just get frustrated when I even say sometimes it's hard because I realize how privileged I am. And honestly, I'm not super materialistic in the sense that it's not hard for me to not want things like, oh, I wish I drove a different car, lived in a bigger house. Like that's really not where I personally struggle. Where I can struggle is um, more emotional and relationally, like especially now with Instagram. I mean, I love my husband, but if we just got in a fight and I got on Instagram and someone looked so picture perfect with their spouse, like they're the happiest couple in the world. It's so easy to go into this place of like, uh, why can't my husband be more like that? Why can't our relationship be happier? You know, or if you had a bad day at work or whatever you are in your career path or money seems tight, it's easy again to compare. And like, it's not that I need so much more to buy so much more, but Oh, if I had that, well, of course, then I'd have these opportunities to show up for other people. Of course, I'd be able to do this, that, and the other, and have these experiences that they have. And so I really struggle with that and spiraling snowballing in that greater than kind of mentality. Um, like someone else's life is greater than mine. Um, so I really come back to the principle, I try, I literally have a tattoo on my finger that it's a greater than and a less than sign, like from math class in high school, because I try to remind myself daily that I'm not greater than or less than anyone. I am a human being who is gift with, gifted with this day and just as many hours in this day as everyone else. And I can choose where I put that energy and where I don't. And every day is a struggle. But even this morning, I, I try to rewire my brain. Like this morning, I just had annual doctor appointment this morning. I didn't want to go because it's just a hassle and it's no fun to go to the doctor. And I literally said out loud at first, oh, I have to go to the doctor. I don't want to. And then I reset to myself, but you know what? At least I have access to doctors. At least I have access to modern medicine when I need it. And really trying intentionally to shift the, you know, the have to, to the get to. And again, harder some days than other, but I do that through what I catching myself in words and then rewriting what I actually say out loud, writing in my journal in the morning prayer, and then just conversations like this where I can, you know, really feel enlightened and encouraged by other people who are like-minded. Yeah, absolutely. 
and I love that you have, I also have a reminder on my finger, like a dopamine symbol, because I do think it takes practice. Like it's a muscle that needs to be flexed. And that's why routines are so powerful. And just like making that time for yourself in the, in the beginning of the day, because it can be too easy to spiral. It's so easy. Yeah. We live in like this kind of age of inevitable comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I always try to remember like, it's just never as it seems totally, is it? Like every time I meet somebody that I've put on a pedestal, I'm like, whoa, I've got to chill because it's, <laughs> never, it's never like completely accurate. And yeah. um, we're all going through something. So yeah, I love that you just make sure that you remind yourself of that and um, have a little mantra going as well. So how did, how did, um, like food and nutrition all play into this? Is it kind of just an extension of the, the overall well-being practice and, and how has your relationship with food evolved? Yeah. So it kind of came first, like backtracking to when I was a couple years out of school and I just wasn't healthy. I never struggled, like I said, drastically one way or the other with weight gain or anything, but I just wasn't healthy. And I did start putting myself first in the sense of watching what I ate, cooking at home, going to the gym. Um, But my relationship with food in general has its ups and downs. It's funny you're asking me this now because just this week I've been complaining. I've gained a little weight and I think part of it comes with choices I've made. Part of it comes with turning 30 and my body's just honestly, it sounds ridiculous, but what my body was even five years ago at 25 versus the way I hold weight and gain weight and lose weight now at 30 is different. Um, But at the end of the day, I do feel positive because I think back to what we said earlier too, like I don't, sure uh, there are times when I want to lose weight or sure there are times that I want to eat differently because of how it makes me feel um, paired with how my energy levels, you know, and all of that. But at the end of the day, I don't put my value and my worth in how I look because I hope that my body's the least interesting thing about me. I truly hope that when someone meets me, of course, we're women, we like to be complimented. Oh, you look gorgeous in that dress or, you know, you look so pretty today. That's flattering. But when people think of me or meet me, I hope that their first impression is she was so kind or she really listened to me or she's a loyal friend. She's a good person. She makes me feel understood. I can relate to her. These are things that matter so much more to me. And again, as I've aged, like that's that's been something that I've grown and worked through and something I've realized more and more with time. It's just that I keep saying I'm like a broken record. We're not just a physical body. We're emotional and spiritual and mental. And there's so much to us. And so, yeah, I just don't let it define me. And once I find myself in a place like where I've gained a little weight or I want to lose some weight, I just say, okay, this is that I can do that. I'll make some shifts and let's move on with our day. How can I better myself elsewhere? And so it hasn't always been like that. Like I said, growing up in the nineties and early two thousands, it was much more of an emphasis on what you weighed, but I'm so thankful for things like the body positivity movement and, you know, women of all shapes, sizes, color, everything coming out and saying beautiful looks different on everyone, not just the runway models. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. I can completely relate to that. And, uh, I remember like in quarantine, I put on like a good five to 10 pounds without even realizing it. And I remember looking in the mirror and I was like, I'm a lot heavier than I've ever been. And um, I actually think I look really good. And I would never have said that to myself. Like it was just always lose more weight, thinner, thinner, thinner. And that was the first time and it made me really emotional to look in the mirror and be like, I love myself. And like, it's okay that I put on a little extra weight. And if I want to lose it, it would only be to feel good physically and like move in a better way and be more agile or whatever. But like, 
I, yeah, I'm so grateful as well for the, the movement going on now. And it's just kind of subtle, but like we're just being exposed to more types of bodies and knowing that those bodies are also so beautiful. So mm-hmm. yeah. One other thing I'll say is that this is not new or something I made up, but the principle of talking to yourself, like you would talk to a friend, I would never probably ever even notice of a friend gained five to 10 pounds. And even if I did, I would still think that they're beautiful and it would still be the last thing I thought about them when I thought of them as a friend. And I try to put that on myself too. Like, okay, if I have all these people around me, you know, my husband, my family, my friends who don't even notice, or if they do, they still think I look great about my weight. And they're telling me all these other things about myself that I want to believe that I want to practice. You know, like we said earlier, being a good listener, being a good friend, spouse, et cetera. Okay, then why do I care so much? You know, like it's okay to set goals for yourself, but when, when you start obsessing or slipping into a destructive mindset where you prioritize yourself, it, it becomes selfish, honestly, and it becomes distracting when you could be growing as a person in so many different other ways. There's so many different other outlets. You might be missing out on opportunities to grow in another way because you're so laser focused on obsessing over just what you weigh. Absolutely. Yeah. It made me think about, this was just coming up the other day when I was thinking the same thing. I was like, you know, body alterations and everything. And I was like, what makes women like feel like this? Like we always have to be changing things um, about ourselves and our appearance and putting so much time and energy into this. And I was like, oh, well, it's a $200 billion industry. Like Mm -hmm. we're literally like we're in an industry. So like, this is just about commerce at the end of the day and making money off of women feeling self-conscious. And I feel like it's just the whole thing about taking (laughs) that back. And it's like, no, we're not commodities. We're not products. We're not here to just like pay money to the the industry. Like, yeah, coming back down and grounding, Um, which kind of leads me into as well. Like, how do you feel going into your thirties? Like we're both on kind of a similar timeline here. And it's, it's interesting. Like thirties kind of a shift, isn't it? It is. But you know, what's funny is I was pumped for 30. I didn't feel weird or I mean, and I'm one to have cried on many of birthdays. I know turning 25 for some reason really triggered me and I got super emotional, but then I look back and the weekend after my 25th birthday was my first date with my now husband. So it's like, you know, that was such a, year 25 was the most life altering year I've had. And it was the best year in a sense. So it's like, why worry? I'm just grateful to be alive. That sounds silly, but it's like, okay, grateful to be alive. But of course what has helped too a little bit is I have a late spring birthday. So most of the girls that I grew up with or who I'm friends with from college, like they had their birthdays before me. So I kind of eased into it a little bit. My husband's four years older than me too. So it wasn't as much as a shift, I guess. Um, I also just like that nowadays women at 30 are in all different walks and paths of life. And it doesn't feel like so much pressure to have already, had four children or whatever it is, but then some people do have all those children by 30 and they're happy too. So I just look at it day by day is what's my, what's my alternative, not age, because that means I'm dead. (laughs) And so I'm excited. I think that thirties sound youthful, but also mature. And I'm excited for what the decade holds. I love that. Yeah, totally. I know. I'm definitely a I had the same thing like new year's as well is also usually triggering Mm -hmm. for me. It's like, okay, we're setting all these new goals and it's like, okay, well, am I setting it? Cause I don't feel like I'm good enough now. Like, let's just take it a day at a time here. 
but yeah, yeah it's so good. What I'm just kind of curious about your relationship with your husband too, and how you guys keep um, your relationship strong. Is there anything that's helped you grow in your marriage that you've noticed? So I think he'll be fine with me saying this because I'm pretty open about it. Um, marriage hit me like a ton of bricks. So we celebrate three years in December. We were together for about two before that. We're so actually a little more. I think we're rapidly approaching six years together and three years married. Um, I love him. He's an amazing man, but sometimes I have to go back to remind myself of that (laughs) because we're all people. But then I also, it's marriage really is like looking in a mirror because you see you're told you're reflected all the good and all the negative. And we're all humans with things that we just have done that we didn't realize were maybe frustrating or not bad in of themselves. Some are, some maybe are negative traits, but then some are just habits that we didn't realize we picked up along the way. So when we got married, we weren't old by any means, but we weren't young. I was late twenties. He was early thirties. We'd been living life, you know, on our own with our own way, our own routine. So all of a sudden we're living in the space together. We're married. We're all these expectations that we didn't realize we had from our parents' marriages or from outside circumstances. And year one was hard. It was a, it was a year of learning for both of us, how to put our own selfish desires aside for the person that we love the most. And every year, I know people always say it gets better every year. And I think at year three, I'm starting to pick up a little bit more of what that means. I don't know that it gets better because Matt is still Matt. He's still an amazing man with a big heart and just he's a great person. And I'm so grateful that he chose me, but we have also adjusted. I think it's more every year you adjust more. I realize what really is important and what's not what I can just shut up about and what I should speak up on. You know, he might hate when I do X, Y, Z, but three years in, he's like, you know, I still love her. It's not that big of a deal. I'm going to let it go. And we're kind of give and take showing again, back to grace, showing each other more grace understanding and something I always say that he told me first, the practice of listening to understand versus listening to respond. It's something that I've really, he has truly taught me and continues to teach me that I try not always successfully, but try to implement. He might be saying something to me and I am already formulating a response, you know, that I want to just shoot back, but that's not what's necessary in that moment. So practicing biting our tongue when it's really not that important and then calmly and effectively communicating when it is, is a big thing. And then trust. I mean, we just trust each other fully. Like I, I don't worry about, we do our own things. And I think last thing I'll say, I think that's really crucial for a marriage is to have your own things. Like I will travel with my girlfriends and we'll go somewhere just as for four days, or, you know, he'll have a guy's night that do this wing chicken wing club thing here. Like every week they go get wings. You know, there's something that we do that's the other person's not invited to, but I actually think that's healthy to have the boundaries because otherwise you just morph into this codependent person who kind of loses yourself. And then when they do inevitably upset you, it's like your whole world crashes down because that you're, you're so obsessed that you can't just separate the emotion from what's the reality. Does that make sense? Oh my God. Sorry. That was so long winded. I'm only three years in and I feel like I could write a book, but you know, so could anyone who's been married for any period of time, I'm sure. Yeah, no, it's so eye opening, And I, I, I can see that so many of your patterns that you're, you're mentioning play out in other relationships too, that I've observed. And now I'm being very self-aware of, or trying to be as I enter a new partnership. And, um, 
Yeah. I mean, I love that you guys make sure that you get your space and your time because I, I definitely observe that that seems to take down some people or they just completely disappear from the world. And then exactly like mm -hmm. you said, they have some issues. Did you guys um, move in together for the first time when you got married? Was that the first time you'd lived together was when you were married? Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that would have helped you transition into marriage like differently that you think, which would have made it like easier and more manageable? Or did you just get thrown into the the new reality. Um, I really don't think, and here's why I don't think for us, it was the living together as much. Um, because we did, we spent some, we lived like two minutes from each other. We were together all the time. We did premarital counseling and all of that, but it's just so funny because it's like, you, you said you hear about having unmet expectations subconsciously and you know about it, but you think not me, not me. I know this is a clean slate. Like, you know, I'm not comparing our marriage to anyone else's and it's just inevitable that specific to marriage more than living together. I think specific marital roles that he saw from his parents, because both of us are also, I should note, so blessed that both of our parents are still married and both have been married for over 30 years. His parents, I think are at 40 and mine are like around 33. Yeah. So it's a very impressive statistic. And so when you see these marriages that are both healthy in their own right, but they're not us, you know? So it, it was funny, just little things. Like I just remember our first year of marriage of, um, you know, because we were, we weren't going to share finances before we got married regardless. So like, for example, getting bills to the house, that were addressed to him, I would just leave on the counter for him to open and let him deal with. But growing up in his house, his dad was primarily the breadwinner, but his mom always handled like the details. She always took the bills, paid the bills. My dad did that in my house. So I was expecting him to do it. He was expecting me to do it. And then, you know, that could start a fight if we didn't communicate properly. So it's just funny things like that, um, that have really, again, over time, we are being more aware of our expectations, whether they're just subliminal or whether we're aware of them. And we really try to work through them and redefine because no one's in this marriage, but us, no one will ever be in this marriage, but us. sure. We can look at our parents as role models. Sure. We can take good and bad away from different people where different couples were around, but this is us and this is our way of doing things. And we have to figure that out. No one, but you and me. Yeah. I really like what you said earlier too about listening to understand instead of to react and respond. And I feel like that, that is almost like a, an offset of just making sure that you are sound and like that you are practicing on your own well-being on a daily basis so that you can show up in that way. Because I see that all the time with just in my surroundings, like people are just like combative or reactive or responsive because they're not coming back to their, their place of peace. Mm -hmm. And remembering something that you said too, like with just people doing, you said this, I know on our other call, but doing the best with what they know, what they have or what they know, just really that's, I try to remind myself of that too, because, you know, we didn't have the same exact childhood with the same exact circumstances. And like, it is easy to go into either victim mentality or start playing the blame game when challenges arise. But tied in with listening to understand severs, listening to respond, also listening to understand what they're saying, not your perspective, but the reality of what they're saying and the reality of where they're coming from and kind of taking yourself out of it for just a minute. So as hard as it may be to try to feel a little unbiased in the circumstance and the situation so you can respond appropriately when the time comes, having taken in all the information and not just having jumped to conclusions based on what you know to be true. 
Yeah. And thinking that everybody is like in our own headspace too, because everybody mm-hmm. really is different, especially men, men and women are like just different creatures. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> oh my God. I wanted to shift to and just ask you about like the people that you're working with currently are, is it mostly women that you work with in your coaching and everything? So yeah, so I've actually shifted a little bit. I started doing, I was in sales for almost a decade outside sales and just left that world this past summer. So I was doing on the side one-on-one coaching with females. Yes. And I've now shifted a little bit because I'm doing more group setting approach. So I'm actually doing more corporate events like lunch and learns, wellness, wellness initiatives. I think with COVID and the pandemic came the awareness of how important the employees, mental health and well-being, and emotional and physical well-being is. And I, I think that's one good we've seen is that people actually employers specifically are caring more about their employees overall health and wellness. And so corporate events, which is, you know, obviously not just female because anyone can pretty much work anywhere. And then this week, actually, as we record this, I'm coming up on an event I've planned and it's local. I didn't say it was just for females, but it's drawing female attention because it's a holiday floral workshop and there'll be champagne and food. But the concept is it's called the content event with the concept of just being present, being happy and checking in with yourself, being around like-minded people, having fun, pausing before the chaos of the holidays can sweep some of that away and lead to the comparison game. Again, like you said, it's kind of inevitable with the world we live in. So taking a moment of pause, having find, finding the time to be content, to be present with your circumstances and your surroundings. And yeah, but I do mostly, I say usually my quote target market is me. It's someone who kind of knows about wellness, you know, or at some point in time, kind of knew, kind of didn't, wanted some help, wanted some accountability, a little bit of coaching and just that extra nudge who is, you know, like just doing the best they can with what they have. Totally. Yeah. I love that. And is there anything, cause I was going to ask you too, like, what do you find that most of your clients struggle with primarily? Like, is it weight? Like, is it confidence? Like what are most people coming to for help with when they're struggling? That's a great question. I, I think that at the end of the day, most people know the principles. They know they should eat more vegetables. They know they should drink more water. They know they should move their body. I think at the end of the day, most people just want to be heard. They want to feel understood and they want someone to really be there for them. I, people, we all want to feel loved and understood. We all want to feel heard and appreciated. And I think that a lot of people struggle. They might come to me and say that it's weight gain or say that it's, you know, a, a poor relationship or whatever. But when, at the end of the day, once we start digging in and diving and taking, asking some questions more often than not, we, it comes down to a sense of self, a lost sense of self or a lost sense of self-worth or, um, an emotional issue that they haven't worked through something that they can't process. And they really just need to talk it out a different perspective, getting out of the victim mentality, taking accountability for actions, good or bad, and realizing that you can control what happens from here on out. And I think that that's really what a coach is. It's, it's like, you know, this is what I say is the difference between therapy and coaching therapy is when you go and you talk every, about everything that's happened to you and you figure out why you are the way you are. And then coaching the, the coach is the person to come alongside and say, okay, now here's what we're going to do about it and take it to the next step. You can't sit there. Your reality is so true and real to you. 
I'm not saying it's not, but what are we going to do? Sit 10 years ago forever? Like we have to become a better person tomorrow or else we'll stay in the yesterday. And so I think that most people, again, come to me thinking it's something different, thinking they need a meal plan or that they need, you know, whatever it may be, but really they just need someone to see them for who they are, hear them out, be a friend, be an accountable partner to them and just have a shoulder to lean on as they work through their own stuff. Yeah. That's such a powerful perspective too. Yeah. It's like a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. I think it's like easy. Um, you know, you and I were talking about how blessed we are to have such close family and I was just kind of realizing like, this is a blessing and, um, not to take it for granted because a lot of people that I've been working with as well, like they do need a support system and not everybody has that like built in. And so it's a gift for us to be able to be there for people and cheer them on as well. And it reminds me of, you know, I I had some anxieties coming into this empowerment work because I'm like, I'm not perfect. Like, am I in any kind of place to be, to coach somebody? Like, I don't know, but I'm just going to do it because I think I've overcome certain things that I can guide people through. But somebody said to me, you know, like, you are not the healer here. They are. Your job is to reveal that within themselves and just offer yourself as kind of a mirror and coax it out of them so that they know they hold all the power. You're just the facilitator. So Mm -hmm. it just reminded me of what you were saying because it's so true. And it takes the pressure off of us in our, you know, workplace. It's like, we're just there to support people and offer some guidance for sure. Absolutely. And sometimes it just takes another perspective because usually someone else is the first to call out the good they see in you before you'll say it about yourself. Um, So while you might look at yourself and think about all the negative things you do, the bad characteristics or habits you have, well, someone else might come along and unbiased third party. And after one conversation, you know, for example, right here, like I didn't know you prior to us talking, but I can sit here and tell you, you're a great listener. You're a great communicator. You have all these skills when it comes to empathy and understanding. And that's just me as an outsider looking in You're you are well-versed in this. So you might do this, but most people don't get up in the morning and start telling every, telling themselves all the good they see in themselves, all the good they see in that day. It's like, again, we draw into this mentality of what's the worst that could happen. What's the worst thing about me? I'm insecure. What do people say about me? Instead of saying, what's, what do people see positively in me? You know? Yeah, I think that, thank you for saying that too, because it literally made me feel good immediately. So we have to remember (laughs) to like say that and do like that mirror work. Mm -hmm. And that's where just like simple affirmations can be so good. Like, has there been something in particular that you've been working through for yourself, like over the past few months that you've, you know, been actively working on overcoming emotionally, for example? Yeah. Um, I mean, really the reason behind the content content event. And like I said before, is my ideal client is basically me. I, I go through again, not perfect struggles all the time. Um, and I think during COVID we had all sorts of issues, obviously that neither here nor there, but one thing we did all have in common is that we were all at home. We were all kind of in the same situation, more or less at home, not flaunting the trips we were going on or the cars we were buying or doing anything like that. And while I'm so grateful, of course, to be somewhat coming out of that on the other side, it's now back into an easy like comparison game. It's okay. Well, now look at this trip that so-and-so went on or look at this wedding that she had or look at, you know, whatever we do on social media or in real life. And going back to what we've been saying over and over, it's like turning that within and saying, I can't control what other people do. And the news is daunting. There's just so much happening, but 
I can choose to be content in my circumstances. It doesn't mean complacent. I still have goals for myself. I'm still a hard worker, but I'm also not sitting here thinking about woe is me. Why is my life so bad? I want so much more than I have. It's like being present and happy with where I am. But again, it's a constant daily reminder of something I need to do and work on. So really trying to be present, be content. And with being present, I mean, I'll even, if I'm on a trip or even just walking and it's beautiful outside, taking five to 10 seconds, just stop and take an inhale and say, I'm so grateful for this moment, or I'm so grateful for my surroundings, or wow, this is gorgeous. This is beautiful, beautiful, perfect weather today, whatever it is for a few seconds and just being present with where you are and being grateful for it and being content in your life at this moment. Yeah. And yeah, it's such a great example of like the power of choice because anything is true. Like what's that saying? Like nothing is good or bad. Only thinking makes it so. And mm-hmm. like anything becomes true. It's like, I can sit here and be like, oh my God, today is so difficult. Like a lot. And I can find truth in that. Or I can choose to think like, oh my God, today is so beautiful. I'm so blessed to be having this conversation with you, having my coffee. Everybody's happy. It's like, it's really a choice and it is a muscle that needs to be flexed. So yeah, I really appreciate that. And I think all of us can relate to that kind of comparisonitis that goes through our minds. And yeah, I think it's powerful to also observe like when we are comparing ourselves to somebody, like how can we shift that into more of like inspiration? Like, oh, they're going on this trip. How'd they do that? That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm so excited for that to be me. Like, where do they go? Where do they eat? Maybe I can do the same thing. Um, So yeah, I think that's extremely powerful. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that's been any books or anything you've been watching or listening to that's been inspiring you recently or sparking your interest? I'm an avid podcast listener, so I'm always listening. Um, some of the ones that I feel like inspire me that stay in my rotation are Ed Milet, um, Lauren and Michael Bostick from The Skinny Confidential, Ariel Laurie. I'm a big Ariel Laurie fan. She has the blonde files. Um, I do like to read. I am going to butcher the name of this, but I'm going to get it back to you. But it's basically, um, a book about the power of the mind. And it's like, we've been saying, but it does have a spiritual aspect on it. I'm going to get you that here in a minute and tell you what it is. If you want to link, um, it's actually it's over there and anyways, in a different room. Um, yeah. And then I'm in the process of reading some different ones that I haven't finished, but so far are inspire me atomic habits. I know it's one people like, and listen to him looking here because I have a stack Um, body kindness is one I've been reading and discerning the voice of God, which I've really liked because I actually am rereading it because it's all about kind of finding signs from God and like being in tune with knowing to when we're easy to write off things as circumstance and like, Oh, that's just a coincidence, but like knowing when to feel like, oh, if someone texted me today who haven't thought about in forever, or if I saw something come to fruition that I was just had on my mind, knowing when that's actually a sign um, and accepting it and believing it and moving forward with it. So those are a few things that I do. And like I mentioned earlier, the five minute journal is something that I really like to do and keep in my daily practice as well. Beautiful. Oh, that's so cool. I'm gonna have to look into um yeah, I've been actually like actively looking for books like that about like discernment and and trusting our intuition and our gut and everything. That just reminded me too. I was thinking of it, Sagittarius season just happened, and I was thinking of my. I was like, who are my favorite Sagittarius people? And I thought of this buddy I had in college. I hadn't spoken to him in like five years, and I just texted. I was like, oh my god, I was just thinking about you. He's like, Helen, I kid you not. This morning I woke up and I was like, what's Helen up to? 
Oh and my goodness. Both thought of each other. And I was like, this, this is just a classic example of like not to overlook these things. And mm-hmm. it just creates this kind of joy of living. And yeah, like synchronicities are like this X factor and kind of a spiritual current that flows and to look out for that. So thank yeah. you for that inspiration. That <laughs> makes me want to look into it more. Absolutely. I so believe in that. Butterflies have been my sign recently. Butterflies have literally been like a sign from God that I see when I, when I need the most. <laughs> yeah. And to like actively look for that. I think that's mm-hmm. same, me for me, it's hummingbirds and it's just like playfulness. It's just reminding me to stay playful all the time. So I love, I love that. that. Um, so Sarah, where can people find you and connect with you if they want to work with you and just learn more about you? Absolutely. Well, thank you again so much for having me. I've really enjoyed our time, but you can find me on Instagram at Sarah Maloof underscore underscore. It's S-A-R-A-H-M-A-L-O-U-F underscore underscore because at Sarah Maloof is just taken by an inactive account. That's the whole thing that bothers me. But anyway, (laughs) um, and then I have a podcast. It's called Wellbeing Well Said. You can find me there with weekly episodes. We drop them on Wednesdays and they're conversations like these that I find inspiring and encouraging others hopefully to live well and yeah i'm on facebook and things too but really instagram and the podcast that's where it's at yeah awesome well thank you so much for being here you're such a present and you know powerful speaker and i just really appreciate your perspective it's been so nice getting to know you a little bit all right my friends thank you so much for being here and hanging out with us today i hope that you're feeling inspired and lifted and called to action in some area of your life Uh, Of course, everything we chatted about is linked in the description below, so you can find links there. And a couple more things from me. If you go over to HelenDenham.com, you can sign up for my weekly Self-Care Sunday newsletter, which is just a chance for me to spread some love and touch base with you in your inbox. (laughs) And also, I've recently opened up a one-on-one mentorship series. So if you've been wanting to work with me in private, in a mentorship that's a six-week series and you can find all the information on my website as well i also have a self-mastery course called cultivating confidence available Um, on my website you can also find all the past podcast episodes and guests uh, links to my music and blog posts and merch all the good stuff so i'm so grateful that you're here and uh, i love you i'll talk to you on wednesday bye